Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very warm episode of Back of the Grid. My name is Chris, and I'm joined by Tom. Hello. And by Stu. Hi. Well, a little later than usual this week, um, but here all the same to talk about a an eventful weekend at Silverstone. <laughs> yeah, probably just as well. It's probably good that we've given it a bit of extra time, I think, to let the dust settle from this weekend yeah. because it's been a bit of a bit of a lot's happened in this in the week since we last spoke to you all. Yes. Yeah, it wasn't intentional, but I actually am quite glad we've had an extra couple of days to kind of ruminate on things and mm. get our thoughts in order. Um, we had a new format, sprint race. It, I almost forgot that happened, given what happened on Sunday, but there was qualifying on Friday and the sprint race on Saturday. Um, just generally, before we get into details, how how do we think it went? Like, how do we feel about the new weekend format? I mean, I, th- I think the structure worked. Like, for me, having qualifying late on Friday and then a race on Saturday that was a shorter duration was fun. Like, the, I think the structure worked. I'm still not 100% convinced on the format of the sprint race, as in, like, I still think there should be some sort of reverse structure to that championship or, or something. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not decided on that bit. But, like, I think having, like, meaningful action Friday, Saturday, Sunday was enjoyable and i'm sure it was even more enjoyable for those who were like there yeah i'm i'm with you um i think but i have slightly stronger opinions i think um (laughs) yeah it's not like it was just yeah it's not like me at all is it (laughs) so in principle yes i agree like having meaningful running on all three days of the race weekend is a very good thing um nothing against that a really good idea i think and I didn't, I didn't see the second practice session, so because obviously I was away and it, it wasn't so easy for me to see everything this weekend. But um, I like that the second part of Friday qualifying was. I think I think that's a good idea to move it to there. I think maybe the well, the sprint as they're calling it. We're not allowed to call it a sprint race. We have to call it the sprint yeah. because we don't want to take <laughs> the prestige away from the the race proper. Hashtag sprint. Yeah, but my problem is it did seem to just play out the way we said it would. It it became a race start with a prolonged red flag period Mm -hmm. effectively before the race continuing the next day. So, and I don't think that works as a, as a format. I think the, the, the setup as like Tom said, of having meaningful run every day is really good idea, but yeah, the, the format of a sprint race to determine the grid is just flawed for me. I think it needs yeah. to be, uh, like you alluded to, Tom, I think it should be a reverse, maybe it could be like top 10 in the championship reverse grid sprint race. That's what I think it should be for half points. And I've always said that, and I, I maintain now, even more now, I believe that that should be it. Or maybe either that or just full reverse championship order to let the yeah. guys at the bottom get some, get a chance of getting some points against mm-hmm. these so dominant teams at the top. and I think the thing is as well like when you've got dominant teams like you have at the minute in your Mercedes and your Red Bull and so on like if, even if you did reverse top 10 or something they're going to find their way to the front the majority of the time yeah. in a sprint race like mm. you only have to see them siding through the pack when like they've either had a penalty or 
like a bad pit stop or or even just after a normal pit stop and if they dropped into traffic so the way that the it, it's all fallen like they, they side through the pack up until they get into that like top six territory and that mm. top six territory now is like if it was reverse is going to be the cars that are normally towards the back anyway so yeah. i i don't think it i don't think the big teams would actually lose out that much by having to start further down they just have to work for it but that's what i want to see that is like mm-hmm. that's what I would like to see. Um, I don't know if it was. I don't know if I'm ruining inbox already, but is there? Have we got a comment in inbox about one that I saw where there was a thing about having a a young driver in one of the cars for the sprint? I don't think that one is actually in, in the inbox. It was quite a long one, and we've got a packed amount of inbox at the moment. But um, right, we can well, maybe dig out who it was. Just it, to yeah, if you, if you if you were that person, I quite liked the idea where basically the the the, the general point was. It was there were four sprints in a season, and it essentially, like if you were say Mercedes, Lewis would do two of the sprints, Valtteri would do two of the sprints, and then for each of the four sprints, their teammate would be someone from like the young driver program or from F two or something to, 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 to basically get those guys like grid experience. But but it would then have like it would only have constructors points and not drivers points. Basically, oh, okay, okay. I was um, gonna so say. there was some, so there's a reason to like fight for it, but it's giving like the the next generation of drivers time yeah. to prove themselves in an F1 race scenario, which I thought yeah. was like, there's, there's some potential there and I, I do like it. Sorry for whoever sent that in that we've like forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would go forgot to, to write name, your name down. My computer's no. barely hanging on in this heat. And if I'm yeah. not scared, if I have yeah. my emails, then the whole thing will fall over. Yeah. Don't Ditto. do that. Don't do that. Um, and we don't want to go off on a massive tangent either because it's... No. Um, it was just, it was just like an honourable mention for that yeah. message, No, basically. I think it, like, there's definitely something in... I will say there's definitely something in the points only for the teams and not yeah. for drivers yeah, yeah. in that situation. I think that's a potential way around some of the arguments against the reverse grid um, championship order grid. Yeah. Sprint. But um, yeah, in conclusion, to the, I don't know what you think, Chris, but for me, like it just didn't... I don't think it was needed. I think there's a better way of making action on a Saturday. Yeah, I think I broadly agree with you guys. Like having having qualifying on Friday was quite a nice novelty. Like it was quite nice to be just sort of sat with a beer on a Friday night watching qualifying. Um, I do wonder how many people weren't lucky enough to be able to do that given the time it is on the Friday. But I guess yeah. at some point we'll probably see the viewing figures for that. Um, I think the sprint race in isolation as its own thing was really good fun to watch um the the sort of concern of oh it'll just be a procession because no one's going to want to take a risk yeah. sort of went out of the way immediately because yeah. none of the drivers seems to have got that memo um it settled down a bit in the second half of the race but like alonso was driving like it was um he was trying to win a championship in that first couple of laps yeah and i think well that's the other thing i think yeah it was great it was kind of one of those things it was it's almost like it was it's the sort of thing that where, you know, every race has like a bit of a lull in the middle. Mm. It was kind of like the race start and then it led up to the lull and then <laughs> yeah. the race stopped. Whereas normally yeah. in the middle of that lull, you'd get, you'd start to get pit stops. You and can get the payoff for sitting through the lull. Yeah. yeah. So there's, so it just sort of came to nothing for me in the end, it felt like. Yeah. I do think as well, and maybe this is me just being a bit pedantic and a bit, 
old man yells at Cloud about it, but <laughs> I do feel like it devalued qualifying a bit. Like, yeah. the history books will show that Max Verstappen was on pole position for that race, and yeah. that completely raises what was a really, really interesting qualifying session. And as now, qualifying and winning a race are two very different skills, and there's, there's, you know, the record books show who did both for a reason. And I, I think... Mean, I think that's a mistake that I, I suspect they will change that going forward and that yeah. pole position will be, well, yeah, will be treated as the, the person who was actually fastest in qualifying. I, I mean, there's a subtle irony in that for me is in the way that you're not allowed to call it a sprint race because it detracts away from the actual Grand Prix race on the Sunday. But what they've actually done is devalue qualifying, like you say, by saying, well, this is just what's setting the grid for the sprint on Saturday, and that's what actually generates your pole position. Yeah. Like on the, when we're recording, like I always have the race results on the F1 website open, and it's already a bit cluttered because they have to list all the session results, but also the the order at the end of qualifying, then the actual starting grid, because obviously it can change. And for this weekend, yeah. it's like practice, qualifying, practice, sprint qualifying grid, sprint qualifying, then the starting grid, then the yeah. fastest oh, laps and pistols. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, yeah there's, a lot, is, of, there's a lot of business going on there. It's not the best um, way of showing result, uh, results, I don't no. think, the formula um, one way they do it, but hey-ho. As like an overarching feeling, though, I think, although I agree with you guys about the, the format they chose and and kind of how that works as a general sort of feeling coming out of it it was just kind of nice to see them trying something different i thought and although what they've tried isn't maybe the best way of doing it at least they're trying something different and it was a nice to see a i don't know just to have different things to look forward to on different days and have something to be unexpected i'm, I'm glad they did it put it yeah, that way with you with you 100 percent in that regard, I just think the the execution on Saturday, there's definitely room for improvement there. Yeah. Um, I guess to speak briefly about the sprint race, um, or whatever we're supposed to call it. I don't know. We can call it what we want. Um, can our podcast. Who cares? Uh, exactly. <laughs> we can call it Jeffrey if we want. Yeah, um, this is why we don't the... get press passes, because we don't <laughs> stick to the rules. <laughs> um, so what happened on Jeffrey? So I guess just like go through the wins and losers from it. Obviously, Verstappen and Hamilton swapped places, giving uh, Verstappen pole for the Grand Prix. Uh, Leclerc did very well, I thought, to not only qualify fourth, but to then hold on to that fourth place through the sprint race. Yeah. Uh, Alonso already mentioned he went from 11th on the grid to fifth in the first sector alone, let alone the first lap. <laughs> um, lost a couple of places, but still finished seventh. Um, so he, he seemed to be... Well, he was already in interviews, a fan of the changed format before it, and he was an even bigger fan of the changed format after it yeah. happened. Um, obviously, Perez was the biggest loser from fifth. He dropped a few places on the opening lap, and then he lost it through Chapel. Um, pretty lucky to keep it out of the wall, actually. Um, and rejoined in what initially looked like a very sketchy way, but if you look at some of the other onboards, it actually wasn't as bad as it looked. Yeah, I saw. I, I, yeah, I don't think it was that bad. Yeah, unlike yeah. Carlos Sainz. Um, yeah, that so was Ru sketchy. Russell, Russell kind of understeered into him and nudged him off. Russell got a three-place penalty for that, which I would say was maybe a little harsh for the first mm. lap. 
more than a bit harsh, I think. Yeah. Mm. It, it's kind of like they. He, I suppose he could have braked earlier. Um, the car's going around the outside. The car's ahead. Science is ahead of him as well, so he's understeered into his sort of rear left wheel, isn't he? Um, I guess it was just a bit of an unfortunate racing incident. I think, free, yeah, free place penalty is is very harsh for that. Maybe a time penalty would have been a more appropriate um, thing. Possibly. But I don't know where but, that would have put him. Yeah, because that's the thing, isn't it? In in, uh, in what is sprint qualifying, do you apply time penalties or grid penalties for things yeah. that happen in that yeah, race? Yeah, yeah, that's bizarre. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of uh, rule creation <laughs> got to happen there. Um, but yeah, I don't know how Signs didn't get a penalty for the way he rejoined. I am I'm flabbergasted. <clears throat> like if you was look, it, at, was it Gasly who had to avoid him? Gasly and Raikkonen was the first on the scene, then I think it was Gasly next. Yeah, they had to like jink to the side to avoid him pretty Ooh. much coming back onto the track ninety degrees to traffic. Like it was, yeah. I'm, I'm honestly flabbergasted. The stewards didn't do anything about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what to say. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of like I'm. I'm busy thinking about the thing that we've got coming up. To talk yeah. about, to be honest, this is pretty insignificant <laughs> compared to the main topic. <laughs> yeah, it is. Who knew after this weekend the sprint race would be kind of just a little, a little side dish. Yeah. <laughs> um, a petit prix, a petit prix, as it was called yeah. in the Discord. A petit prix, the, yeah. A petit prix. prix. Big fan and of a, that. A musée bouche. <laughs> <A> musée prix. <laughs> Um, so I guess to keep that metaphor going, should we get onto the main course? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, There's literally a tasting menu's worth of races this weekend. I know, it really was. This weekend. It's like six courses. I mean, we're not even going to have time to get into F2 and W Series this week, but they were all no. very good races as well. Um, so yeah, Hamilton and Verstappen. Um, after half a lap of Ooh. what was incredible racing like before we get into the main stuff like let's just say that that first half a lap was proper like yeah just intense like what you want wheel to wheel it was brilliant like they they pretty much banged wheels going down the um wellington straight which is yeah a a little sketchy but fun to see and whatever but yeah, yeah it was it was brilliant racing up until cops um, and, and then it wasn't anymore. Well, I don't, um, you know what? I don't think it was terrible racing through cops myself well, either. But I'll let you. I'll let you go. All right. So, well, well no. Let's. So, forgetting for a minute about like the penalties and what was said by everyone, like just the incident itself. How are we feeling? Because we've had a couple of days to ruminate on this now and watch. Yeah all the replays in the world and every YouTuber that does F1 stuff in the world has done their version of events at this point. So mm-hmm. whichever one, one you want to take the floor first, how did you see it? I'll go racing incident, 100% racing incident. There's just absolutely no doubt in my mind about it. <clears throat> I at the, at the time, I was basically dubious thinking Hamilton had maybe gone somewhere he shouldn't have been but there's just there's so much other stuff going on that you see when you get to sit and review it in context like in full that it just comes to ends up being 50 50 like i mean even with the limited time that they had i'll give a lot of credit to karun chanduk specifically because they 
how in depth he got his analysis inside like five minutes of yes, it happening yeah. was amazing. Like to the, some of the stuff that he'd already spotted. I mean, yeah, fair enough. It's probably not just purely Karun. There's there's other people looking at the footage as well. Yeah, there's but like to, to put that whole whole that that whole package together and present it back the way that they did during the red flag was impressive in itself and it left me sold on the fact that it was like a 50 50 rated incident like they both could have done more to prevent it basically yeah, yeah I think it, I was, it, that's what i was gonna say like what karoon said in that sort of five minutes after is still probably the best thing i've seen which is yeah both drivers could have done something to avoid it and both of them chose not to and that's ultimately yeah. what it comes down to i think um my my initial feeling afterwards that it was on the border of racing incident and being Hamilton's fault. The wow, more, really? Yeah, because ultimately... That's Ham- where I was at the time. Because Hamilton though. was the one trying to make the overtake. Yeah. And ultimately, if you're the one trying to overtake, it's on you to... Do it safely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah. But the more I see it, the more I go back towards it just being a racing incident. They both very much played a part in it. Mm. There's there's been a lot of like analysis of other similar moves at cops as well, and I think that also just backs it up that like when both people are being compliant in the situation, like there was I mean there was Lewis on Bottas there, there was Vettel and Alonso back when Alonso was at Ferrari and Vettel was at Red Bull, there was uh, I can't remember what else the. There's definitely a lot of others that's been like replayed over the last few days. And in every single one of them, both people being like compliant in the situation. And in this situation, neither driver wanted to be compliant. And that's why it ended the way it did. Hmm. Did you see the Grosjean and Signs one from a few years ago? It was when Signs was still at Renault. It was yes, more or less the same situation, but Signs on the outside just went. No, I'll have an apex, thanks, and just went straight across the front, yeah. and that yeah. went down as a racing incident. So, yeah, um, it's, yeah, it. This has been like bubbling for a while as well. This was always going to happen. Like the way the two of them have been racing all season, this was inevitable sooner or later. And I mean, it's I think, already happened, doesn't it? It happened in in Imola. They they yeah, collided in Imola, and and they did. It was kind of the other way around. Hamilton was forced off the track because. Verstappen didn't give him room, but because it was like the fourth corner of the Grand Prix, nothing was done about it. And this is it, isn't it? It's like the the kind of the way the two of them have raced all season has not not entirely, but more often than not, it's been Verstappen saying, I'm putting my car here. It's up to you if we have a crash or not. That's always been the way Verstappen has raced. Exactly. For the most part, that's worked very well for him. He's basically built his career on that very, very hard racing. And clearly, at this point in the championship, Hamilton, you know, at that point in time, Hamilton was 33 points behind. He knew Mm. if he went through cops in second place, that was it done. Because we saw from the sprint race, he went through in second place. You get to Maggots and Beckett's, if you're the one behind, you just lose all your downforce, build a gap, you're done. He had to get through. So at that point, he kind of felt like at that point in time, he said... No, you're not doing that anymore. If you want to put your car in position to have a crash, then let's have a have crash. crash. Like, I, yeah, yeah, I don't. I I don't mean he was driving to have a crash. No, no. But I think he was saying, "I'm not going to be the one to yield all the time. It's, yeah, I'm yeah. going to make it up to you if you want to give me more room." And yeah, well, I think that's the thing. I think you, you hit the nail on the head. That that is what Verstappen does. He puts his car in positions where people have a choice. They can either go into him and risk a penalty, 
or and end his race, or they can yield and the mm. race is over then. I think it showed this weekend, I actually think this move of Verstappen's and this the way he conducted himself through that turn has shown him to has big time showed some inexperience because he didn't need to put himself in that position. He could have quite yeah. easily yielded or quite easily just gone a little bit wider and run wide on the exit of the corner and still be in the race and still have a opportunity to win the race. And if he even if he does finish second, he still comes home with a chunk of points and doesn't have yeah. such a big gap. Well, I so mean, he, he's, he's you driving saw that with Leclerc, that one, though, didn't sorry, you? Sorry, Tom. He's, he's, he's driving that one corner like the entire championship depends on that yeah. one corner. Yeah. And Hamilton doesn't need to do that because he's already won good, what, seven championships, is it now? So yeah. he doesn't, he, he's won his championships. You know, he's he's got his accolades. He doesn't need to, he's got nothing to prove at this point. And, Hamilton, and Verstappen looked like a driver who got everything to prove through that corner to me. And Hamilton has driven like that in the past. Like in yeah. his early years, he drove like at this corner is the entire championship. But obviously he's been around the block a few times now and he knows not to do that anymore. Um, yeah, it's such like an interesting microcosm of the two of them as drivers and as rivals in that one moment, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, you know, sorry, I, Tom. Yeah, sorry, Tommy, go ahead. No, well, all, all I was going to say is like what you were describing, Stu, with the way that that the outcome of that situation is different and Verstappen, yeah, maybe he does come second, but he comes second and he, he, he minimises the damage essentially of Lewis yeah. finish, finishing ahead of him. That situation was shown with Leclerc later in the race where Leclerc essentially didn't, didn't risk the incident Ran wide. I mean, he was always going to get overtaken by Hamilton at some point because the the pace difference between them towards the end of the race was ridiculous. But he he knew that, and essentially he didn't fight any harder than he needed to. And yeah, ran wide, got the little twitch of oversteer coming out of the corner. But essentially, he, he he stayed between the between the white lines for the rest of the race and came home with points. And that's yeah. that's the difference between the two well. situations. Yeah, and like I, I will say, like we've sort of bash Verstappen quite a bit there. And I will just still like bring it back to, I do think it was, a, you know, not maybe not completely down the middle, but it was racing incident where both parties had their share of blame. And I think Hamilton yeah. was being extremely ambitious trying to get up the inside there. Um, yeah. I, I think in the manner 50, he did. I think absolutely 50-50. I think that there was no need for Verstappen to turn in, the way he did. obviously he wants he wants to make the corner, but he, you know just two corners before that, a few corners before that down at Brooklands, he'd already gone wide to avoid a collision for Stappen had, mm. and then mm-hmm. suddenly at cops he decides he's not going to do that and he's going to end his own race. Like how does it? How does he see that running? It's like he's not aware that the car's not going to disappear down the inside of him, is it? Yeah, exactly. But, uh, and th- there's an element of vice versa though as well, which is why I think it's fifty fifty because. Lewis has been pretty bold thinking. Like, I mean, we we all know the line for that corner is swinging it out from wide to clip the apex and then run out onto that far curb. That is the line for the corner. Yeah. So you are being pretty ballsy and pretty, pretty brave sticking it up the inside <laughs> of someone going into cops. But, I mean, that's why it's a 50-50 because, 
like Hamilton was being a little bit cheeky by, by putting himself there. And I think Max was being cheeky by trying to essentially chop him off as quick as he yeah, did. That's basically yeah. what he was. I think it looked to me like Verstappen suddenly got a bit desperate. I was like, oh God, I need to chop him in order to keep this corner. And this, I think, I think it's always down the inside there is always a valid route, a valid move because against a normal driver, they're going to give you the space because they know there's acres of runoff for them to use and they can take the battle back to you or they can get onto the stewards down, you know, after the, once they get onto the hangar straight and say, he forced me wide, he needs to give me the position back. Well, we That's, saw it with them. Um, that could have uh, happened. We saw it during the race with Alonso and Ricardo, didn't we? Alonso went around the outside of Ricardo at Cops, but he ran off onto the, um, like, yeah. wide of the curb on the exit. So he just backed up on the way into Maggots and let Ricardo back through. And, yeah. like, they just, you know, it just got sorted out between them. Exactly. And th- th- this is the difference. Like, Verstappen doesn't need, he just simply did not need to, to, to turn in the with such aggression the way he did, knowing full well. He knows where that car is. He knows Hamilton's there. But he elected to chop across him, effectively, in my mind, and he's ended his own race as a result. It's, it's weird, though, because like the, 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 like the um, analysis that Karun brought forward during the race is what helped me change my mind from it being Lewis's fault to it being a 50-50. And that's the moment where you sort of... You see this this moment where Max starts to turn in, maybe thinking, I've put him somewhere, he doesn't want to be, he's yeah. he's gonna have lifted off. Then he sort of suddenly realizes Lewis is still there and and kind of backs he out knows. of the corner. But then he turns there. back in. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that there's this moment where he sort of turns in thinking he's done enough to outmuscle him, realizes he hasn't, so like starts backing out of it, but then sort of it's all very like sort of split second, but I think that you can see that Max realizes that Lewis isn't going anywhere, and he, yeah. he does try. He, honestly, Max does try and correct yeah, the fact yeah. that he's he probably, turned in. And yeah, probably I, bit a chunk out of his seat as well as he did. Yeah, <laughs> and I think th- there is definitely a moment of realization there from him. Mm. But it, I think, I mean, he's so like they're doing 180 miles an hour plus into that corner. Like, yeah, it's to, to make those kind of decisions and make those kind of corrections at that speed in that situation. They've got it's... so much downforce though. The, 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 yeah. You know, it's not as big a corner as well. It's a big corner when you have a collision, but it's not those, these cars are going through them mm. flat after time. Yeah. It's not so much of an event in isolation these days. It looks, it? it's, it's an amazing corner to look at and to watch a car go around, but driving a formula one car through that corner, you know, you don't hear like, unless you know, at that point they're quite fully laden with fuel and it's a bit more difficult for them to make that corner, obviously, but it's not, you know, it's not what it used to be, that corner. Yeah, um, but I think... I, I think, like, Hamilton's given him enough rope to hang himself with there, knowing that he's he's willing to take the risk. And you just touched on something there that's kind of <clears throat> leans back towards Hamilton's side of the blame, which is that they were on full tanks, cold tyres. Yeah. He'd just been running on the dirty line. So for Hamilton to enter that corner in the way he did, there was a lot of... Yeah. hope that it will turn in the way yeah. that I think it's going to and it obviously didn't understeer away yeah it did understeer somewhat um, um, I, I, I can't argue against that I, I agree in, with that an interesting actually that um, Jolie and Palmer pointed out so the the stewards um, report on it said uh, 
Cars 33 and 44 enter turn nine with car three in the lead uh, and car four slightly behind on the inside. Car 44 was on a line that did not reach the apex of the corner with room available to the inside. When car 33 turned in, car 44 did not avoid contact and the left front of 44 contacted the right rear of 33. Car 44 is judged predominantly at fault. And one thing... That could be like Par- 1% at fault. Though. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Like- predominantly is a really important word there. Um, yeah. But Jolie Palmer pointed out, yes, Hamilton didn't clip the apex he didn't touch the curb or the green concrete on the inside but also he hadn't all weekend he had the whole weekend he had never driven a line through that corner that actually touched the apex he always went a foot or two away from it and clearly the way the mercedes was set up the curb was probably like destabilizing it so it's not like he drove that different a line but at the same time if you've got a car on your outside flying into a corner 108 miles an hour you've got to be pretty sure that you're gonna take a line that isn't going to run out into where yeah, that car is so that's yeah. fair but still verstappen knows where he is and he knows that he doesn't mm-hmm. he knows he needs to leave racing room for the car that's clearly down the inside of him which is yeah, why that's the thing. which is why i come back to where we started it was a racing incident i yeah. think yeah 50 i think absolutely 100 percent 50 50 it is like i don't buy this like people are sort of putting the blame slightly more towards Hamilton's side I don't think that's fair I think it's so easy for Verstappen to just run it a little bit a tiny bit wider and run wide on the exit and say he he forced me wide why would you end your own race it just doesn't there's no logic to that especially when yeah. you're in the championship by such a margin I suppose the argument is he's the, the leading car at that point why should he why should he compromise his line because like look at what happened in Barcelona uh, Verstappen just flung it up the inside of Hamilton. And if Hamilton hadn't taken avoiding action, Verstappen would have gone into the side of him. But Hamilton did choose to get out of his way. And as a result, Verstappen got past him. And mm. as a result, the race wasn't his race wasn't over and he managed to score a good points. Well, yeah, that, and that's the balance, isn't it? It's it's So the championship was still alive for him. And it's the same, like yeah. it's the exact same here. Like Verstappen needs to have the presence of mind to say to himself, okay, it's a long championship. I can yield this corner. Mm-hmm. I've got a good car. I can continue racing him as the race goes on. Maybe we'll do it on pit stops. Maybe we've got what well, you know, we've got some of the best strategists in the entire field. There's a there's such a bigger picture to this championship yeah. than just that one corner. And Verstappen's driving to me shows that he can't he can't look at a world championship season as a world championship season. He, he drives race by race. Yeah. And that's that's not how world champions drive, I'm afraid. A world champion drives with the full consideration of an entire season and takes measured risks throughout. Yeah, I completely agree. That's, that's what was missing from his approach in that yeah. moment, for sure. And, you know, we've sat here for half an hour, whatever, analyzing at this point. All this happened in... A yeah. couple of tenths of a second. It's so easy to sit here and you know what about her, but yeah. I just think it's it's that old. It's that cla- to me. It smacks of the, the <clears throat> classic Verstappen red mist thing, crimson mist, <laughs> red, red mist, because he he just cannot stand to yield. He, that and that, that's a flaw in his in his racecraft. That's a chink yeah. in his armor to me that he can't. He, he literally cannot yield. And we've seen it in the past with him. We saw it, you know, he got into a fisticuffs with Esteban Ocon at Brazil because of a silly incident then that he didn't need to be involved in. Yeah. And it's, and like I said before, like this is an approach he's taken for a good number of years now. And for the most part, 
it's worked extremely well for him. You know, it's you know within moments of it happening, I could see uh, within moments of it happening, I could see people online like <clears throat> throwing around the old Senna. If you don't go for a gap oh, that exists, the, you know the most misused quote in Formula One history. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's no good if you're out of the race, is it? Ultimately, yeah. I mean, um, it, that, that probably that quote probably applies more to Hamilton because there was a gap and he did go for it. And and as the end, the net result was he won the race as a result of it. I mean, the, the more appropriate Senna quote in this situation is the. I'm going to put my car here and if we crash, we crash. Yeah. If he wants to crash into me, he's going to crash into me. Like that's, that's the the more appropriate quote in this scenario if we're talking Senna. Yeah, definitely. Um, So I already mentioned what the stewards had to say. George Hamilton predominantly at fault. Uh, He was given a 10 second penalty for it. Yeah. Sort of going along with the decision that it was predominantly Hamilton's fault. 10 seconds is probably a fair penalty, I would say. I didn't have a massive problem. It was one of those things where it was a 10-second penalty, and I, watching the race live, I kind of expected that. But if it had been a five-second, I wouldn't have been that surprised. And if it had been a drive-through, I also wouldn't have been that surprised. It was kind of just – it was in that general penalty ballpark, like uh, – <laughs> A, a stop go or a black flag would have felt very extreme, but yeah, race, race suspension might have been a bit much. Maybe mm, we'll get onto that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think probably uh, it's a hard one because you know I've seen penalties given for far less, and I've seen penalties not given for far worse. It's definitely. So it's. I mean, we're getting to a point now where it's you don't really know when is appropriate to give a penalty. It's so random these days. So I don't know. It's hard to think. I guess like given that one of the drivers in the equations race was ended a 10 second penalty, given that in my opinion, it was 50, 50, then that's probably fine because one race, one of them's had the ultimate punishment and the other one who's also party to the incident probably deserves a degree of punishment as well so that's mm. an interesting point you bring up and i've seen a lot of people red bull included saying this that oh it wasn't a big enough penalty because he still won the race but that's not how penalties are applied it's, it's like saying in football if like there's a red card and you miss a penalty it's like oh you should get another go then because it's not fair that you didn't score the goal it's like yeah, yeah. The, pe- the penalties aren't applied based on the outcome they're based on the incident so yeah i don't buy that thinking at all 100 percent agree yeah, I agree. Um, and then I guess we can get into the kind of... Well, I've written the word aftermath here, but it started <laughs> immediately. Um, I mean... I- immediate aftermath. Christian Horner immediate was <laughs> understandably upset and furious about the whole thing. And you can't blame him for that. I think anybody would be. In the sort of the emotional right after the race, he, he called it a hollow victory for Hamilton. He said the driving was unacceptable. He should have oh. known better. Um, he he nearly said in in um, when Ted Kravitz interviewed him on Sky, he nearly said he put a driver in hospital, and he just stopped himself short of actually saying those words. That's that's <laughs> the level of anger he was uh, going there. Um, Helmut Marco, as you allude to, Stu has uh, was saying he needs to be suspended for a race. Um, just nonsense. There's also talk that Red Bull are reported looking into hiring a lawyer to take the case to the FIA to argue that he what? needs a harsher penalty. What? Um, yeah. 
Yeah. I've never I heard mean, anything so ridiculous in all my life. It, like, there's, I, I said this like over the weekend in, in Discord when we were chatting about it with everyone. And like, everybody in Formula One is to blame for at some point having that moment where they essentially overreact and just try and basically get like penalize their rival as much as yeah playing the game like yeah like whether it's reporting error parts or or whatever whether it's down to like regulations or whether it's a driving standards it doesn't matter what it is they're all as bad as each other for it except red bull like they are they have got to be like i mean we've seen toto get really like over the top sort of all right toto calm down kind of situations but christian horner this weekend has proven that that maybe that mentality sometimes of we just can't yield and let let something happen attitude we talk about in max is maybe just a team ethos yeah because horner would just not shut the you know what (laughs) up like i was sick of hearing his voice the problem with that as well is that it does drive like the discussion outside of Formula One as well, like as, yeah. as sort of like as, as as fans of the sport, as viewers of the sport, it definitely it, it sort of steers the narrative. And I think that's what obviously that's what they're doing. They're trying to paint Hamilton a villain for putting their driver out of the race Completely, and their little golden yeah. boy as being yeah. having done nothing wrong. And I think that causes that can cause much bit. I'm not you know I'm not pointing any fingers for any of the other horrible things that have been said this weekend, but. That doesn't help. You're not helping by painting one person as the villain. Not at all. Especially in a situation where largely, you know, the the Formula One community as a whole, certainly the punditry, have all labelled it a racing incident and given them both a sort of, given them both the label of both could have avoided it. Yeah. I think that's fairly unanimous across the punditry of Formula One. I don't really know what the internet's been saying about it because I've not, it's pretty in terms of horrible split, place. So like, not- yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, this weekend has brought out the absolute worst in F1 fandom. It's been yeah. <clears throat> pretty atrocious. I mean, from what I've seen, and certainly from people who have written in, um, not all of it's made it into the inbox this week, but like, you know, we, we read through all of it, and most listeners seem to come down sort of in the middle as well. Um, we also had a lot of people saying, you know, discussing the way Red Bull reacted. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I think, do you know what? I, I will just take a moment to say that is one thing that I'm very thankful for, just from our listener base. Like, because mm. out of everybody that listens to us, generally speaking, not everyone agrees all the time. Like, people do have different opinions. But from what I've always experienced as a host on this show, the people who listen to us and don't necessarily agree with our take on things. They don't go out of their way to be horrible and nasty about it. They might like send us a message and say, "Oh, I don't quite agree with what you said about Max and Lewis at Silverstone." Here's my take on it, but like it's all done like respectfully, and everyone's yeah. got yeah. respect for what everybody else thinks. And it's a, I think you may be missing this point, and I'd just like to put this forward. To like it's all, yeah. And I'm, I'm very thankful that we have that kind of listeners and fans. They are very, they're an articulate bunch. Yeah, and we, you know, we've got we've had. We've had Red Bull fans saying, you know, I'm, I'm a massive Max fan, but I think he played his part this weekend. And we've had yeah. Hamilton fans saying, you know, the, the opposite kind of thing. It's yeah. it's all been quite measured and respectful, which is unfortunately a bit of a minority in the most of the, yeah. the social media sphere. 
Um, sp- speaking of which, so Verstappen on the social medias after the race said, glad I'm okay, very disappointed with being taken out like this. The penalty given does not help us and I uh, and doesn't do justice to the dangerous move Lewis made on track. Watching the celebrations while still in hospital is disrespectful and unsportsmanlike behaviour, but we move on. <laughs> And well, now, isn't that unsportsmanlike in and of itself to, yeah, to post, but, a, yeah, post like the, that? The thing is, like, th- this is complete speculation on my part, but personally, I don't believe for a second that thing he posted didn't go through the Red Bull social media department. And, you know, this is part of the message that Red Bull are, as a unit are posting after this race kind of thing. Like, yeah. it just kind of fits the narrative they're trying to build after this. And, yeah, I've just got exactly. no time for it. It's it's the hypocrisy that bothers me the most. Like, how many times have we seen Max involved in some kind of incident and Christian Horner straight away is like, oh, it's just hard racing. Like, if you don't yeah. if you don't like that, you shouldn't be out there racing kind of thing. And then the second yeah. they're on the receiving end, I've never seen a team blow up an incident. Spit the dummy out this. so yeah. fast. Yeah, yeah. And, Literally cry babies. And in the interest of balance, like, during that red flag period while we were hearing messages from Red Bull and from <sighs> Mercedes going to Michael Massey, like all of that yeah. was stupid. I, 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 I think, you know what? I, I, I think the broadcast slipped up a bit there. I don't think they should have been playing those radio messages. I'm not sure they just, either. They painted the entire sport in a, just, uh, what's the word? They just Tip made a mockery. They, they made a mockery of the stewarding yeah, and, and of the sport itself. Stoking that same fire, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. It, again, it, and it, it's not done anything to help the, the 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 crappy situation that came out of it in the end on social media. Yeah. I did. I did. Though really enjoy. I've sent you an email. Can you confirm yeah, you got it? Yeah. Like actually, oh, now I don't yeah. check my emails during yeah, a race. Yeah. I'm quite busy. Funnily enough, yeah. I, I, I love that. I, that I is, think like that he was forced to raise me. I, I think Toto Wolf's heard those radio messages on the broadcast oh, yeah. and gone, yeah. "Oh my goodness, I'm going to have to do something. need to have my say. Something to have my say here. Yeah, so I'll, I'll but, have to but, send him an email. But there's some. But there's also something that. I don't want the general public hearing it. Yeah. I, I, I turned to Emily, we were watching it together, and I said to her at the time, I said, the reason he's done that is because there's something that he's highlighting or there's a point he wants to make that he doesn't want the general public to know he's making, and he knows full well that radio message is going to be broadcast yeah, and picked yeah. up. Yeah. So he's gone, I'm sending you an email, Michael. Can you please make sure you've got it? Like, there's, there's nothing more like... I'm grassing them up, but I'm not letting anyone know what I'm grassing them up yeah. for than that situation. Well, right I think there. it just shows like it's a much more composed way of like dealing with the issue as well. Like, you know, on the one hand, you've got you've got the phone constantly ringing in Michael Massey's ear, and Michael Massey can't do anything about it because anyway, he's not the steward. It's the stewards who make the decisions. No, I, not Michael. That's Massey. the worst bit of it all for me. Like, it's it's like, I mean, I. I can't remember who it was, but someone in Discord, I think it might have even been you, Chris, actually, made the really good point of it's like it's like a, a basically a football team having a problem with a penalty decision on the pitch there, and instead of speaking to the referees about it, they're phoning the FA and yeah. getting on the phone to someone like in the FA saying, "Excuse me, can you come down to the pitch and have a look at this decision?" Because <laughs> I think the referees getting it wrong. It's yeah. like no, just just like they're chill both out. they're both smart enough to know that Michael Massey does not have a say in these things. So yeah. It's just weird. It was a that was a weird, weird whole weird old thing that happened. Yeah. Um, anyway, the, there was a whole other race, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah, to say like the, the whole aftermath. This has just been a bit <clears throat> unnecessary, to be honest. Like, yeah. we will come back to this in a little bit on the um, 
uh, takeaways. Yes, and in the inbox, actually. Um, <laughs> I mean, we should finish by saying the most important thing out of all of this is that Max was okay. Like, that was yeah, a yeah. massive 100%. shot. 51G yeah. sideways into the barrier. Like, that's huge. Um, apparently, he had a bit of neck soreness, but nothing worse than that. Which is, um, it is testament to how safe the cars are these days. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, the, and the circuits as well. You know, like the, the, the way the position of the track that he went into, and the the fact that the car is is really really solid yeah. and safe these days is is just testament to all the work that goes into mm-hmm. making the sport yeah. as safe as it can be. And the 100%. the tire carcass that came off uh, clips the halo as well as they were on the way into the barrier. Really? Yeah. yeah, it did. Oh, wow. Yeah, <clears throat> definitely a big one. Um, so yeah, as I say, main thing is that he's okay, and yeah. hopefully, like, I, I almost wish there was another race next week, and we could just like get all the talk about over with and have another race. But we're going to have another week and a half of this, just non-stop hmm. talking about this incident. Yeah. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, I mean, not, we're, we're not, we're not. Yeah, we the rest don't of know. the rest of the fandom can if they want, but we're not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just this sport moves way too fast for this to take up a whole week of my life. <laughs> so <laughs> We'll just talk yeah. about tyres next week instead. Yes, don't, don't, don't worry, Stu. At some point in the coming week, you'll have to do a seven biggest incidents at cops video. <laughs> probably. I'm not surprised. It's probably already in edit, Tom. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, let, let's go. Let's go to the, let's do the rest of the race. Cops and robbers. <laughs> oh, oh God. I mean, that's an episode title right there if oh, I ever heard one. Things, is, I don't even is, know what it means, but I'm sure someone will be able to find some kind of weird link. Um, we well, Christian the- Horner thought he'd been robbed of a race, didn't he? There, so there, there it is. We go. found it. it We've is. done we it. it. Should we talk about the rest of the race? <laughs> um, yes. Charles Leclerc inherited the lead. Probably couldn't believe his luck. Um, I thought he actually... Like the that whole first half a lap, he was actually right on Hamilton's tail, and he kind of yeah. just seemed to be like hanging back a bit. Like you two are really going at it. I'm just going to sit here and not get involved. <laughs> <clears throat> and then after after cops just kind of casually side past them. Um, yeah, and despite his sort of power unit randomly cutting out, it seemed. Have we actually heard exactly what was wrong with that? It sounded like it was some kind of electronics issue, but I've not hey, heard. Hey. I don't know specifics, but it it was essentially like software, which is why it never like led to a point of like an actual failure. And it was to do with the software cutting out, uh, either either incorrectly setting the engine mode or cutting out certain mm. aspects of it to do with the power, uh, the battery recovery, I think. Yeah. I don't know the specifics, but I believe it was okay. along those lines. Um, he was fantastic though. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was. Like he... Led away at the restart, he had a brilliant restart and actually pulled the gap on Hamilton in the opening stint until the pit yep. stops. Um, yep. I, he, lived up to the, he lived up to the hype for the first time in a <laughs> I knew you were going to say something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, he was, he was properly brilliant. Uh, a real shame for him that two laps from the end he lost the lead. Um, but either way, like, I'm just really impressed with his race. Don't more to say, really. He was just yeah, very, very good. Not much more to say. And I think the difference as well, like we, you know, just to take it back to the move that led to Hamilton getting the lead of the race, that's probably how the the start of the race should have gone for Verstappen, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It would have yeah, been a much definitely. better afternoon for him if it had. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Hamilton obviously had a 
great recovery drive from his 10 second penalty to win with a couple laps to go. Uh, his eighth British Grand Prix win, which he's now equaled Schumacher's record of race wins at a single circuit twice, but still not overtaken it. I think he's won eight at Silverstone and the Hungara Ring now, um, wow. which he equals, I think it's France that Schumacher had eight wins at. Um, he was definitely aided by a very compliant Bottas and a slightly wounded Ferrari, but yeah, impressive all the same. Like to to come back and still win from that is yeah, I think so. I think like you know to have the grit and the determination and to not let a big thing. I suppose when you're in the cockpit, it's a sm- small world and you're not really thinking about all the ramifications and things going on outside of it. But and I definitely in the. Um, you know, during the long, longish red flag period, he looked like he was having a lot of conversations and lots going on there. So to keep your head for yeah. all that, and then to come back, keep your focus, and yeah, get yourself a race I win think despite a ten second penalty, he's pretty good going, I'd say. Yeah, because I think we've heard from Hamilton in the past when he's been given penalties and he's been on the radio, sort yeah. of questioning it and stuff. And I think the red flag period maybe gave the team time to be like, "Look, we think a penalty is pretty likely here. This is what we think we can do." despite that you can still win this kind of thing so by the time he was in the race and found out he actually had a penalty he maybe kind of already processed that and was just like all right i don't agree but i'll just get my head down and get on with it kind of thing rather than having to kind of mentally deal with it in the moment yeah i Um, think it's a lot easier to deal with when you're not in the car isn't it because you know we've all all driven carts and how intense it is if someone (laughs) came on the radio and told you oh when you if you've been given a penalty when you've been karting and you see that sort of that flag with your number on it or the the light the uh, led screen with your number on it that you've got to go in in your head you're like oh what and you can't believe it and you're, yeah, you're really yeah, yeah. upset so if someone told you something like that on the radio obviously it's going to come out um so yeah to have that before you get into the car and to have it all done and dusted definitely it, it would have helped him a lot i think it's worth also pointing out as well there might be some theme box about this I can't remember but hamilton had um his uh, wheel hub was cracked from the uh, yeah. impact. And if not for the red flag, he would have been out of that race. Well, they were smart is... as well to leave him out, weren't they? Because they could yeah. have pitted him straight away, but instead they left him out expecting the red flag. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, um, where is there something in the inbox about this? Um, if, if, if it's the one from Wes... I think Wes was asking something about. No, it. actually, I'll, I'll save it so we get one. to move of the day because it's a it's a nomination for move of the day we had in the inbox. So we'll save okay. it. All oh, right. <laughs> um, Norris. Yeah, actually, I want to talk briefly about well about Bottas and Russell actually because I think an, another sort of microcosm we had in this race was the decision Mercedes have got to make on their second driver for next year because I think this weekend we saw the reasons why both of those drivers deserve a seat in that team. Like we mm. saw Russell getting into Q3 again, at a track that we were saying last week, oh, Williams are going to have a hard time here. And he still got through into Q3, yeah. like ludicrous lap. Um, obviously he got that penalty, but even so it was like proper, he was just brilliant was really all good. weekend. Really, yeah. really good. Just like quick, uncompromising. Yeah. Nonstop. Then on the flip side, we had a Bottas who basically towed Hamilton around to give him his pole position. Like to take nothing away from Hamilton's pole lap, I don't think he'd have been on pole had Bottas not been 
very compliant in he's towing him around in that final run. Mm-hmm. And I know they Can take I- it in turns doing that, but I think the fact that it happens to be Bottas's turn to be the one doing the towing at Silverstone is not a coincidence. Uh, can I just correct you there? Lewis was not on pole. Sorry. He, he was at the front of the sprint and Max was on pole by winning Sorry, the Sorry, how dare I? I just heard the sound of a million <laughs> keyboards stop, <laughs> stopping being typed on. I, I, had, I had to save us from the onslaught. I'm sorry, yeah. I had to do it. I want to press pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then we also had Bottas very compliantly letting Hamilton by to go and win the race. We also had... But under the safety car before the red flag was called, Bottas caught up to Hamilton, pulled alongside him to give a damage report of Hamilton's car back to the pit wall to help them decide if they should bring him in or not. <laughs> wow. And, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And like Bottas this season has been, <laughs> when, when, I mean, actually, no, not the whole season. When he's been sort of on the decent enough pace, he's been the perfect number two driver. And that is why Mercedes have got a very difficult decision to make. Yeah. Mm. Um, but that's a whole other conversation we've already had multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, McLaren, I guess, next. Um, yeah, Norris. N- Norris, fourth place. He lost third to Bottas uh, because of a slow stop. He said after the race he doubts he'd be able to keep it anyway. Um, mm. Maybe that know. was him trying to make himself feel a bit better about it. Yeah, I mean, he he was, what, another 15 seconds down the road or something from Bottas by the end? He was quite a gap in the end. So, yeah. yes, it was more than the time that he lost, but, I mean, the situation's different, isn't it? If, you, if Bottas is having to... If that pit stop had gone differently and Bottas was having to attack him... Could have been I mean, Bottas was already struggling on his hard tyres towards the end of the race, so he'd have potentially had to stop again. I mean, it, it's it's like a whole different situation, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel for Lando because I think there was a chance of a podium. I mean, <laughs> there, was, there was a moment where all, all of the, the McLaren massive that are in Discord, we all got a little bit deluded <laughs> about, about the fact that he could have won the race, <laughs> which was a great moment for wow. us all to enjoy together. <laughs> got a bit overexcited. Though. Yeah, that's... We did. That's, we were uh, like... We were like, Lewis and Max are out. Leclerc's going to have issues. Ferrari will mess it up. Lando's going to win this. I mean, you weren't a million miles off. Ferrari did have issues. Yeah. And I do. I think Norris could have been. I think Norris could have been on for a podium if he'd not got that slow pit stuff. I think it would have been yeah. a bit of a different race for those uh, final podium positions. Did you see um, his interview after the race uh, with Jensen Button? I did not. I did not. Um, they were talking about the fact that you know he was so close to a podium at Silverstone, but so far, and Jensen was like, "Oh well, you've you've equaled my best. I the best I've at Silverstone was fourth. And Lando was like, "Oh, I'm as good as Jensen Button. That's brilliant." <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ricardo was fifth, um, probably the best race he's had at McLaren to date. Yeah, um, solid best weekend, in fact. Um, yeah. Signs was definitely faster than him in the closing stages of that race, but uh, Ricardo did a pretty decent job of holding him off. Um, just good, I to, mean, good to see Ricardo looking a lot more comfortable in that car. Yeah, it it all went fairly well for them as a weekend, like qualifying sixth and seventh. That's kind of where you want, where you expect them to be, and they're both together, which is what you want. Sprint both made up a position because of Perez's issue. I think it was in the end that. 
that led them both yeah. being a step further up. Yeah. So then like fifth and sixth on the grid for the race and then make up a position thanks to what happened with Max. Like, I mean, it's yes, there's an element of right place, right time, and they've they've both gained the positions that they have from like somebody ahead of them dropping out, but essentially that's exactly where they should be. Like yeah. they're not they're not quite with Mercedes and Red Bull yet. I mean they're not far away, but they're not quite there. And they're getting the best result that they can out of those situations mm-hmm. by by being in the right place at the right time. And I think that's a really solid we even though they've had podiums with Norris so far, I think that is probably McLaren's most solid weekend so far, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Um, Signs, as I mentioned, couldn't get past Ricardo. He reckoned he had the pace to be on the podium, if not for getting biffed off in the uh, sprint race and then having a slow pit stop. A few what ifs there, though, isn't it? Yeah, maybe <laughs> a little ambitious, but even so, good weekend for Ferrari there. They've closed the gap on McLaren. They're only 15 points behind now for third in the championship. So yep. that third place battle looking extremely tasty yeah big time um is there anyone else from the race you want to bring up and talk about there's the there was the verstappen uh, sorry the the vettel spin when he was battling that seemed quite um reminiscent of his ferrari days very reminiscent yeah it was was it just the curb that unsettled the car do we think no it was just on throttle it was nowhere near the curb unfortunately oh no wait what well i'm I'm thinking uh, it was perez was on the curb wasn't he when he's uh, not perez yeah perez was on the curb in the the sprint yeah yeah Yeah, um, i would like to point out um perez's collision with raikkonen as well um perez just totally squeezed raikkonen yeah and spun Raikkonen round. I don't think there was any need for that. Again, it's just a Red Bull driver forget expecting a car to disappear down the inside of him. Mm. Did you hear um, Raikkonen's radio after the race? No, what did he say? Is it, sure the, it bit about, the bit about um, making the car better or something? Yeah, like... It was word for word. His, his engineer was like, oh, tough race up there. It was a shame about the incident with Perez and he was just like... Yeah, well, maybe we should make the car faster and then we wouldn't have to fight them so hard or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. he was so to the point and dejected. Yeah. Wow. Um, Pretty savage. Yeah. A couple of little factoids from this race to finish up. Uh, Verstappen now holds the record as the only driver in F1 history to score a point in a race weekend, having not completed a single lap of a Grand Prix, <laughs> which is a bizarre <laughs> little record he's got himself. Yeah. Um, and Norris has now extended his point scoring run to 15 consecutive races, which is more than any other driver in McLaren's entire history. Which, wow. when you think about the drivers McLaren have had over the years, is pretty damn impressive. Yeah, that's yeah. really impressive. Yeah. Cool. You're talking Senna, you're talking Hamilton, mm-hmm. um, Alonso, Button. Alonso, Button, yeah. To name but a few. Mm. Um, I think he's going to be an easy one this week. But let's pick a driver of the day. Charles Leclerc. For me. Mm, yeah. I yeah. could go with Charles Leclerc. Yeah, Charles Leclerc. Mm-hmm. I think that's an easy one. Yeah. It is an easy one because he's one of the that few... car's probably not deserving of that position. So yeah. yeah, he's done really well. One of the few times we agree with the uh, official one. Um... Oh, was it? Yeah, I saw him Verstappen get was like <laughs> third. Yeah. <laughs> Super <laughs> 
Perez got like fourth and he <laughs> <laughs> binned it in the sprint race and then Wait. crashed into people on his way through the grid. So, so let's, just, let's just vote for a driver who wasn't even in the race. <laughs> yeah. Very strange. I mean, he didn't even finish in the points. Like, yeah, no, fair enough. They they did pit him Perez. aggressively. Yeah. yeah, they pitted him aggressively to steal that fastest lap point from Hamilton. But even still, he was, I don't think he was going to finish in the points even without that from memory. Mm, I think he no. would actually, but we've got a question about that later on. So I'll, oh. I'll hold you okay. off for them. Um, okay. But yeah, definitely a clear for me. Like, I don't think he put a foot wrong the whole race. Like he, he was fast. He didn't overly fight the overtake to lose the lead <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, also end up in the wall. Yeah, he, he knew he's strong drive. Yeah, really strong drive. Uh, how about how about move of the day? Um, to go back to the thing we said earlier, it was uh, Ines Ramos wrote in to say, for me, the winning move was Mercedes understanding that a red flag would be called. So told Lewis to stay out before he entered the pits, as was the initial decision. That way he kept second place instead of last. Otherwise, would we have had such a discussion about the penalty, which is a very good point. Yeah, if he if he dropped down to last place, then I don't think there would have been a penalty. I think they would have been punished naturally, both cars. So yeah, or the very least, the there wouldn't be as much talking about it. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, true. Any other nominations for move of the day? We've got I'm Alonso's start in the sprint race here. Yeah, it was the previous yeah. day, but I feel like most of the overtaking of the whole weekend was Alonso in that first sector. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. was well, Ricardo's he... battle. Sorry, gone. I was just going to say he had a good start to the Grand Prix as well because he got yeah, a couple of places actually. in the first sector then as well. Yeah, so Alonso overtakes everybody. Is move of the day. <laughs> yeah, um, Ricardo had a good battle with. Uh, for with Alonso, I think it was for fifth near the start of the race, or was it sixth? Mm, yeah, he did. Um, yeah, and there was some good fighting when Sainz was trying to pass him towards the end. Actually, yeah, there's some good battles. Um, but I think I, I could go with Alonso starting the sprint race. I think that's pretty good. I one. mean, I was actually swayed by the inbox comment because I, I do like when we get the opportunity to give it to something that's not just like an overtake because generally yeah. speaking we go for overtake for move of the day but I do like those moments where we can say like this strategy decision was actually like the best move a team made in a day to, to essentially win them the race which I mean you could say that that is what that decision did it because if like like we said if he had dropped down to the back and then it had been red flagged he wouldn't have been where he was by the end, I don't think. He might have come close, but I don't think he'd have been where he was. No. You're right. So I, I, I think that that is actually a really good suggestion for Minas. Yeah, I can go with that. Cool. Done. Um, and then the final award. <laughs> <laughs> that could not have been timed there. Wow. Oh, that was amazing. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> the, the moped of the week award. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, I need to compose myself. Oh, yeah. Right, go. Okay, go. insert soundbite here. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? One, one thing I wanted to mention, so I'll put it here just because I didn't see a better place to do it, was something that really made me laugh was in... Um, Christian Horner's interview with Ted Kravitz when he was just going mm. off and 
you know, all, all the drama, he accidentally called Lewis Hamilton an eight-time world champion, which <laughs> yep. is maybe slightly foreboding for how the rest of this season is oh, going to turn out. Just giving him yeah. another championship. Um, my, my actual nomination this week is the fact that uh, Hamilton, for being fastest in qualifying, was given the Pirelli Speed King Award. What? <laughs> Just, like, they still gave him one of those little cool tyres. But instead mm. of saying pole position, it said Pirelli Speed King. God, I wonder where he puts them all. Well, he must have a box full of them somewhere. Wasn't it last season somebody asked him that and he responded with, I don't know, do I, do I actually keep these things? Like he has no <laughs> idea where they go. <laughs> There's just like a massive room somewhere in the Mercedes factory just with tyres. Yeah, just many tyres. Looked after by top men. <laughs> good uh, um, uh, squirrel cam squirrel cam <laughs> oh I saw the meme for the squirrel cam that is good it's, yeah I, I was going to suggest mean, that we, we have we have it instantly reminded me basically of the time at the American GP the US GP where they had the e- the fake eagle shadow thing across the track. Yeah, but it, this wasn't fake, it, though. This was real. No, when I saw the, the meme of the flying squirrel cam, um, for, the, for those that don't know the meme we're talking about, basically, oh, as, yeah. as the cars were coming down the Wellington Strait um, and then round Brooklands, there was like a, a camera on one of those zipline kind of things, and yeah. it basically like kind of, was above them as they came down the stray and then kind of went across the the grass in in the middle of Brooklands and then like kind of followed, so it almost followed them around the corner. Yeah. But but because of the sun, there was like this shadow from it on the ground and it essentially made it look like a flying squirrel with a GoPro <laughs> was just like yeah. <laughs> filming the action and it was a it was a delight when I saw that meme. It was I had a lot of time for that meme when I saw that. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> uh, any other nominations? Is it is it unsafe to say Verstappen for just not leaving that yes, little bit yes, more room and that, no, that's, not costing himself that's not acceptable. to 25 yeah, no. points? In, in the interests of fairness and balance, I say <laughs> I, uh, it's just about Lewis sticking his nose of his car where it doesn't belong. Okay. In and we going to give the award to neither of them. Yeah, so we'll go for Speed King then, right? <laughs> no, well, I think that's well, Squirrel it, Cam, but... Squirrel Cam. Oh, well, I was just going to do honourable mention for... Uh, Michael, can you please check your emails? That was bizarre. Yeah, You know what, actually? That's, yeah, that's my WTF. It's just that whole scenario where it played out for everyone to hear. Actually, um, yeah, I can go but, with that. You know, let's all hang out our dirty washing for the world to hear live on television. I think, yeah, that, that's my nomination. I, yeah. I, I did not approve of it. I can definitely go with that. Oh, cool. I converted you by accident by just trying to fill <laughs> Um... Stu, do you want to take us through some some takeaways from the weekend? Take you through my takeaways, sponsored by Deliveroo this weekend. It's not not sponsored in the slightest. Sponsored by Deliveroo. Please give me credit, Deliveroo. Um, (laughs) Verstappen and Hamilton saga looks very much like it could turn into a tangle at the start of the Hungarian Grand Prix to me, given how close the two teams and drivers are on pace at the moment. Um, Mm. And the kind of attitude that they're both putting into their racing, sort of, uh, if this is going to sort of, carry on and hang over into the overspill I guess into of upcoming races that's the sort of circuit where 
you can quite easily end up running what being forced right or, or running wide into turn one and turn yeah. two and even turn three yeah. through there. The so, likes of um, Perez, Bottas, Norris, Leclerc, and Co. must be rubbing Ricard- their hands together right yeah. now. Ricardo, Ricardo, yeah, yeah. Ricardo's you know Ricardo's been forced wide by Verstappen at turn two in Hungary. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, who hasn't been forced wide at turn two by everyone in Hungary at this point? Uh, Hamilton's forced people wide at turn one there. You know, there's just all the ingredients are there for going into these races. The, these coming, well, this pre-summer break, this Wasn't, race definitely Even, even we were, hectic. and we were trying to walk to the barber. <laughs> Wasn't that the corner where uh, Raikkonen unceremoniously, like, pretty much flipped George? Well, he didn't flip him, he launched him into the air, though. Was that uh, that? Is, is it I can't last? Remember now? Yeah. Oof, you're testing me there. I do not. Yeah, there was a, a there was a, like a, there was like there was a wheel to wheel between Raikkonen and Russell, and it kind of threw Russell into the air, and I think it might have even snapped the rear axle. Yeah, but I'm sure oh, that was. Yeah. It, it was either turn one. Uh, I think it was Alexi, further round. I think it was a Alexia in uh, Discord is saying it was Nurburgring possibly, but oh, that would it? make sense because for years as a kid I confused those first corners. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> that would make sense. Yeah. So yeah, expect to see the Hamilton and Verstappen battle to continue into the next race. Absolutely, one hundred percent. That's that's my first takeaway. Um, my second takeaway is and I'm going to say it: Red Bull look like super sore losers this weekend. There's absolutely no need for some of the continued comments from members of the team well after the race. Phrases like amateur ban dirty driving, unsportsmanlike flying around. Um, it's understandable in the heat at the moment, but I think the fact they continued the way they did just stinks mm. of sour grapes. Um, it's totally Damn, inappropriate yeah. and it's unsportsmanlike in and of itself. That's it, isn't it? You can forgive it in the heat of the moment immediately after it, like the best of us yeah. would maybe lose our call and say things we didn't necessarily mean on reflection, but the fact that it's a few days later now and there's still, still you know, going comments on coming it. out yeah. and it just it's just not a good look. It's unnecessary, yeah. And it does you know, it just it just makes them look bad. They're they're better than that. That's my, mm. my my main issue is they're a better team than they they don't need to be doing this. They can yeah. just do their talking on the track at the next race. Stop trying to you know, still control this narrative in in a political way. Just concentrate on making the fastest race car, having the fastest driver, getting the best setup and winning the race on on the weekend. I did I did enjoy um Helmut Marko in an interview said something along the lines of, um, uh, yes, we might like look into appealing the penalty and stuff, but we won't be, there won't be any revenge on the racetrack. That's not how we do things. To which I instantly thought back to um, Abu Dhabi a couple of years ago, the race after Ocon uh, knocked Verstappen out of the lead in Brazil. And Verstappen, like, as he overtook Ocon, just ran wide into him and tried to push him off the track. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. No no yeah. revenge on the track. Yeah. That's definitely not how we and do things. You know what? Verstappen won't be able to... The thing with Verstappen is he won't be able to control himself. He won't be able to help himself. He'll th- say something on the radio or he'll he'll do something, I think. To- I think this is a big test of him, actually. Yeah. How he composes himself in the next race is going to be quite interesting. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. I've, I've never pretended I'm a Verstappen or a Red Bull fan. Um, so, obviously, I'm... I'm, I've had sort of predisposed opinions on them before this even happened, but even trying to ignore that, like the way they've conducted themselves, just 
I, I just really don't petulant. like it. It's just petulant. It's just not point, a good look. Anyway, onto some positive takeaways. Um, <laughs> Ferrari, um, they found some pace, and it looks like they're getting a good understanding of their car, um, tightening their fight with McLaren. Um, yeah, obviously. that's looking tasty. Yeah, podium for yeah. Um, podium for Leclerc this weekend. A good battle with Sainz and Ricardo. That that fight for third place is really really heating up, isn't it? Mm-hmm. As we, I, as we've mentioned, based on how they've gone this weekend, I think Spa is going to be a very good weekend for them. Mm. Could could well be. Um, and speaking of the McLaren Ferrari battle, Ricardo starting to look like he's getting to grips with McLaren, and yep. with a resurgent Ferrari, McLaren will be hoping for this to continue. Just 50, as Chris mentioned earlier, just fifteen points separating the teams in the battle for third. And Here's a question for you both: Go on. Do you think at any point in this season, Ricardo will get to a point where he beats Norris? on pace in a race just under like normal circumstances no shenanigans going on I think it's possible I I don't think it's outside of the realms of possibility is it how likely is it I wouldn't like to say maybe I'd say it's a 50-50 if that will happen or not I, I think going into next season Depending on obviously how they both end up in the new, you know how they feel with the new car, but I think we might end up in a situation with that team where you've kind of got some tracks that maybe favour Lando more and some that favour Danny more, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might be one of those kind of situations where they they kind of on par with each other, but just certain layouts and certain circuits and personal preference just like do you know I mean different drivers have different favorite yeah. tracks and and stuff like that like you yeah. see it with like say Hamilton at places like Silverstone and uh, in Montreal like you go to Montreal and you expect Hamilton to do impressive things because it's a circuit that you know he loves driving at even like I mean Bottas at at Sochi, he'll, he'll be sad to see. He's the only person in the entire <laughs> sport who's sad to see that circuit leave yeah. the calendar. But like, I think th- there'll be a little bit of that sort of element where they'll be pretty much on par with each other, and it just might go backwards and forwards. Yeah. But I don't think we'll see that until next season, more than likely. Right. Mm. Okay. Final final uh, takeaway this week is Alpine. Alpine are on an upward trajectory with only nine mm. points covering seventh to fifth in the constructors as we near the summer wow. break. Um, Alpine being in fifth, uh, sorry, seventh at the moment. Um, really, really close, tight battle in that midfield. So, yeah, it's just one to keep an eye on in the upcoming races. Can they continue that? Um, obviously, a couple of places there, there's some big points to be had and the big money at the end of the season if they can achieve it. Yeah, it was a sort of, like, obviously Alonso was the more headline one, but it was kind of a quietly decent race rock on as well. Like, he he only qualified, like, 13th, I think, but he went forward in both races, uh, finished in the points. I think it was only about five or six seconds off Alonso by the end of the race, um, which is what he needed, because Ocon's been on a pretty ropey run, hasn't he? Yeah. 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 And that's it for takeaways this week. Nice. Cool. Um, I can do some prediction-y stuff, yeah. Um, A decent week for the three of us all around. Uh, Two points for me and Chris and three for Stu. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
Chris is probably kicking himself for hedging his bets <laughs> on the Hamilton thing because he had Hamilton down for a win, but then picked him to finish second in the random driver. <sighs> I know- mean, Stu's Stu's lucky he hedged his bets, I guess, anyway, because he'd have lost the point if it was the other way around. So swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Again, oh, do you know, what? I'm not even that mad though because. Watching the last few laps of that race when Hamilton was chased down the clerk, I could kind of just sit back and be like, well, I've got two points. Like, unless they take <laughs> yeah. each other out, I've kind of got two points, whatever happens here, which was quite a nice feeling rather than watching the last five laps being like, oh, if, if he overtakes him and then he retires, I'll get four points. That way. Yeah, yeah. Do you, you know what um, is disappointing for me is I actually... So I have a, a second account that I use unofficially like to test things on the thing. And I put some preds in to test that it had all locked up properly during qualifying on Friday. Scored four points with it, didn't I? Oh. <laughs> means <laughs> means nothing because it's on my throwaway account. Good. Good. <laughs> Good. Whereas um, I, got, I got three points. And I'm you got three second, points le- legitimately. The- Whoa, I was going to do a big reveal on that oh, first year. Oh, no, sorry. No, <laughs> so over to the standings. Um Stu is right. He is now tied second with Rory Clark wow. on 20 points. Oh, and Nate Everett. Sorry, Nate, you're on 20 points as well. Uh, but in the lead is Alex Taskov on 22. Um, and then a whole bunch of people very, very close behind on like 19, 18 points. And I mean, even me and Chris are in the mix somehow at the minute. Still, We're on 17 points each <laughs> uh, in 29th place. So, Resurgent. Just yeah, like Ferrari. Uh, for once, the Bot G team are doing okay in the prediction. <laughs> we have had a, we've had a few good weeks. This, you know, I've scored. Yeah. what? I got a full house last. I've got seven points in the last two races. Yeah, Damn. not bad at all. That's more than I got in half a season last year. Well, it just it just shows you that you know, even if you enter late, you can still achieve quite high point scores, and it's, it's always worth yeah, entering, yeah. isn't it? Definitely. Um, nobody got a five out of five this weekend. Um. But a lot of people got fours. I think mm. I counted like twenty something oh, people. Wow. With there was there was a lot of people. Um, with oh, 29 people had fours. If you include my throwaway account, <laughs> so um, yeah, impressive. And I must admit, the majority of those are Lewis fastest in qualifying and Lewis winning the race. So, so and then obviously Lewis is a random driver as well. There's a, there's a lot of that. For everybody that's oh, got a four-pointer. Where's Wes Paul's <laughs> got um, Valtteri Bottas for pole? I know. I saw, what were you thinking? I, you, that's that's just the most glaring fi- missed five out of five. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a couple of people that got James Johnson and someone called Adequate Driver <laughs> uh, got, got Max as first DNF, but went with 17 finishing <laughs> instead of 18. So Ooh. that's their good shouts, I think. Um because that's that's where the I think that's where the points are really being earned is getting that first DNF. To be honest, yeah, as has been proven, yeah. So yeah, but um, I mean, if you like the sound of predictions league, as we always say, you can head to backofthegrid.com. You can register now in prep for when we go to Hungary. Uh, it's never too late to join in because, as we've already said, there's a point. Uh, sorry, a prize for anyone that gets five out of five points. In Still weekend. haven't received my f- prize for five out of five yet. You boys, can keep waiting. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that is that is Preds. That is Preds. Which takes us on to the inbox. Uh, 
I'll do the first one then. Uh, Dennis Miner says, does the LH penalty include any points in his license? Is it enough to ban him for a race? Wishful thinking. <laughs> <laughs> that, sound, that sounds very much like in the hunt for Lewis. It does, yeah. ban that. <laughs> um, he did get two penalty points in his license for the incident, which seems low given that they've been dishing out three points per incident <laughs> in recent races. Um, but it only brings up to a total of four, so he's still uh, quite a way off a race ban. Because I think, I think he had quite a few, but loads of them expired in the last sort of couple of races. So he's fine. Uh, next, Dakota Botello says, do you think this past week's clash between Verstappen and Hamilton changes how aggressive they will be in the races to come? Could lead to more mistakes for one of them. Also, F in the chat for Seb. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it does, doesn't it? I think that dynamic is probably irreversibly changed now. Mm, well, it's been I, com- I, we, we've said it, it's, it's been coming for a while. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I think it's one of those things where it might change Max's mindset a little bit because he knows that he's not got that like advantage. If you had, I call it an advantage is a weird thing to say, but like, do you know what I mean? Like he had the f the um, the sort of mental hold over Lewis of if I muscle him, he will back out of it. And now he'll probably second guess that thought process in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'd be interesting to see like how it does affect them wheel to wheel. Cause I'm, I, I'm without doubt that we'll see it a number of times over the rest of this season. Yeah. I think if without anything, it'll, doubt. it'll embolden Hamilton because he's yeah. Sort of, he's got his elbows out and he's come off better. So it's kind yeah. of, it's this, and I think Verstappen is the kind of driver that is, it's, he loses his head a lot easier than a lot of the other drivers on the circuit, on the, on the, on the in, in, within Formula One. So <laughs> could get my words out. So, um, you know, I think in, in those situations, maybe now Verstappen might have to think twice and be a little bit less aggressive because it's his aggression yeah. that's got him in this mess it's his aggression that's cost him these points it's... i've said it numerous times this evening he if he just yields a little bit it goes so much better for him so it's it's and not many i've not seen many people on the internet saying this i don't know but i've not been keeping track his life would be so much better right now on that championship points table if he just learn to let these battles go and be more strategic about when you throw, you know, Mm. when you put the balls to the wall moves in. So it's kind of take on it again, not suggesting for a second, it was a deliberate move on Hamilton's part, but it is almost a double win for Hamilton. Like he's mentally in that fight, proved his point and changed that dynamic. And then he's also come away with a 25 point swing in the championship. So pretty good day for, the old Sir Hamilton. I mean, you can you can see with that in mind, you can see why Red Bull are so incensed about it because they've, yeah. they've basically you know they've had it handed to them, haven't they? In that in that instant, yeah, they've sort mm-hmm. of everything that you know they every advantage they had at that point has been really really badly damaged. They had the mind games advantage in that Verstappen has been playing this game so long of. I'm going to put my car here and it's up to you whether or not you you collide with me and they've basically called them they've called their bluff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and they don't and Red Bull don't like it. It's that's clear for everyone to see. So 100%. yeah, that's that's yeah. where we are now. Uh, Mike Wallace says, does the news suggesting that Red Bull are hiring a lawyer over the Hamilton penalty <laughs> mean that it's likely further sanctions will happen or does it just show the level of nerves at Red Bull? I think the latter. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't even say it's nerves. It's just, it's just like a sore loser. It, like I it's bad sportsmanship, look, isn't it? Just just in that race, if you were to try and take this through a courtroom, just in the defence would have the the two following moves that Hamilton made in the same corner to take the leads of the race, and yeah, to, to take positions in the race. So the argument that that isn't a place for overtaking is just dead in the water well, for me. Before you even get to the courtroom, people are saying the the potential reason for it is that there is supposedly evidence that shows that Hamilton went into that corner on that lap faster than he had at any other point in the weekend and right, that, okay. on that basis he was where where are these people getting these lap charts from is what very I good know. very good question <laughs> very good question um yeah i, I don't think anything's going to come of what? it i think i think red bull will probably back down in the coming week to be completely honest with you um it's they, gonna they're gonna have to quietly just like let this go because they don't yeah. have a leg to stand on like, by, by all means, argue your case and say you disagree or whatever, but also, like, as you said, just kind of, you need to lose with a bit of grace sometimes. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Um, shall I do the next one? Go ahead. Um, Wesley JP says, Perez said that on his way to finish P7, when he got called in to take the fastest lap away from Lewis, with P7 being worth six points, if they'd let Lewis keep fastest lap, the net gain on the team side would have been five. Instead, it shrinks the lead for the drivers' championship to four points rather than three, with no benefit to the constructors. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around this strategy. Any thoughts? So he's saying that they lost out by pitting him from P7. <laughs> lost out on constructors, but gained on drivers. drivers. Uh, I think it just cements what we all kind of already know, which is that Red Bull care about... Sour grapes. Well, Red Bull care about Max Verstappen being world champion and nothing else. Yeah. They... Mm. Like, if, if they won the Constructors this year and not the driver's title, I think they would be massively disappointed. And this obviously proves yeah. that. They gave away points just to yeah. stop Hamilton getting more. I, I genuinely thought he was further down the grid when they pitted him. I thought that was one of the reasons that they did it. I think I think he said he was on his way to seventh. He wasn't actually seventh. Let me check actually where. I would like, yeah, it would be interesting to look back and find where he where was you, in the pack. At, he was tenth. At the time they pitted. He was tenth. Ah, oh, right, okay. So he had. Yeah, but he, he had potential to gain <clears throat> spots, didn't he? Ocon, Stroll, and Alonso were the three cars ahead of him. So. Mm. Yeah, Ocon was quite a long way up the road, though, I think, at that point. He was like 10 seconds. Oh, no, Stroll, I think, was a fair way up the road. So I don't know if there was much more to gain. But still costing your team points just to deny another team or another driver points. I mean, again, we, we talk about sportsmanship yeah. and well, games and, and silly tactics. I think that sort of tops them all for me. Wesley just made another good point in the chat. He said, is there something in Max's contract that Red Bull is worried about? Yeah, well, maybe, but I, still, I don't. 
there's there's nothing I I just don't see how this could I don't I don't know I, don't, I really don't know I, I I'm I'm struggling to wrap my hand, wrap my own head around this one it does seem to me it seems it almost I almost get the sense that it's like oh well we're not letting him get the fastest lap as well we can put a stop to that I don't care if it costs us the points it's that's kind of how I felt it's almost petulant rather than mm. strategic to me but again you know. I am struggling to wrap my head around it. There's probably a factor in this that I'm missing, which is really glaring, which I'm sure everyone on Twitter will, uh, will point out mm-hmm. to us. I, so it, it kind of, it's accepts this fact that there is some kind of performance clause in um, Verstappen's contract. My suspicion is that it's probably based on next season and that if we go to the new rule set next year and Red Bull have just made an absolute disaster of it, there's some kind of clause at that point where Verstappen can say no thanks and peace out yeah. and go somewhere else the following season. I mean, that's that's well and good, but like realistically, where would he go? I suppose it yeah. does all depend on how the other teams deal with the regulations. Yeah. Like, you, I mean, you might get Williams have mm. absolutely nailed it. Do you know what I mean? Like, they, they might, it's, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Like, so. Yes, I suppose there are like we we we're looking at it thinking, well, Ferrari wouldn't have him at, at the minute with their driver lineup, and I don't think Mercedes would have him at any stretch. Even even if Lewis wasn't there anymore, I don't think Mercedes would take him. So like that'd be where do you go? McLaren won't want him when they've got Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo. Mm-hmm. Like so, you are he would literally be relying on one of the midfield teams doing an absolutely storming job of the new regs. So like Alpine. And maybe Alonso doesn't want to carry on, or Williams, and they're just looking for a, a talented driver to stick in a a performing car. Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's his only options. So it's he true. needs to be careful. It's very true. If if that is obviously this is all speculation because we don't even know if that is. The yeah, thing, th- but... this is wild speculation. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's not. Let's be real. <laughs> he's not going anywhere. Um, I do doubt the next it very one? much. Next from Ali Walker. Is Perez really doing that much better than Albon last year? Not just because he's had a bad weekend, but taking every race into account. Don't get me wrong, there are weekends where he's keeping pace with Max. However, Albon also had weekends like that, but the car was only really capable of fourth when he did. This year, the car is obviously a lot better. Can't help but feel Albon and Gasly got a lot more criticism. Well, um, Perez's car is an upgrade round behind um, Verstappen's car. Oh, really? Yeah, they're getting upgrades in um, sequence. They're going to Verstappen's first, as per contract, no doubt. Yeah, probably. And uh, then the, the race after, they go onto Perez's car as they. Well, they probably won't this race because there's not not much left of them. Yeah, but um, um, he is a he is a run behind on upgrades. I do think there's something to the last part of what Ali said, though. I, th- I think if Albon or Gasly were still there and had the weekend Perez had just had we'd be hearing a lot more about them and criticism. Perez yeah. seems to, for now at least, be able to have a tougher time of things and sort of uh, quietly just get on with it and no one really sort of notices or criticizes him I, for it. I, I guess there's an element of he's proven his value yeah. before being in that team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that probably goes a long way for a lot of people assessing his performance I guess like they know he's capable of podiums they know he's capable of race wins and 
I mean, he's won this season in that car. So it's not like he's underperforming, but I think he's just having, he is having a bit of a up and down season, isn't he? He's, and, but I think the thing that Red Bull are conscious of is as long as he is scoring points and doing what the team want him to do, generally, it's more than you would occasionally getting out of like Albon when he was there. Like Albon came close to that podium so many times. And I mean, to be in his defense, he got wiped out a lot of the times that he never made it, didn't he? It wasn't necessarily yeah, his fault. Yeah, he got a bit unlucky at times. Um, it would have knocked it, his confidence a lot as well. Yeah. Um, but I, and I think maybe as well, that's like a, from a Red Bull perspective, there's a little bit less of that sort of attitude internally, maybe when Perez is having a rough weekend. It, there's less of the getting in at them because you, you've, you've seen it from Horn and other people, like being very critical of the likes of like Kvyat, Gasly, um, Albon, when they've all been in that seat. And it's done none of them any good. If anything, it's all always had an adverse yeah. effect. So maybe they've finally learned their lesson as well a little bit to be a little bit easier on a driver when they've had a rough weekend. I don't know. I don't know if that's a factor. Yeah, I think we're still early days as well for Perez, isn't it? Right, he's only yeah, yeah. ten races. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's true. Albon had two whole seasons with him, and you know, it yeah. kind of went the way it did, didn't it? So there's, yeah, it's too early to season a half. Really actually, Albon wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah moved halfway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he got longer than a lot of others did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Next. One. Yeah, yeah, Eugene Mister says uh, circumstantial victory for Mercedes, or has the gap closed? Just bear in mind that Bottas wouldn't have finished ahead of Norris if not for the pit stop Tom Fulwe. I think at this circuit, the gap had closed somewhat. Yeah, I mean, we'd said for a while this is where we expected Mercedes to be able to take the fight back to Red Bull, didn't we? Like, me and you, Stu, particularly, were very vocal (laughs) at that point (laughs) between us. Um, And I think we, we did see that. So... We saw probably some upgrades from Mercedes having an effect, but also a circuit that is definitely a Mercedes circuit play into their hands. Yeah, uh, yeah, it would be more a surprise if they weren't quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah We've been saying all season if Red Bull thrash Mercedes at Silverstone, then you know it's going to be an easy uh, yeah. season for them. Well, actually, I probably should have done this as a takeaway. This season is absolutely still on, isn't it? Yeah, because 100%. Mercedes were absolutely in the mix at that uh, uh, um, Silverstone. Well, they were faster. They had the fa- they had the faster car in qualifying. Um, they kept up well with you know Hamilton kept up well with Verstappen in the sprint, and then Hamilton was clearly the faster car. I think in the in the race proper because he wouldn't have been able to keep up with him through those cars if he wasn't. So definitely yeah. in that, those early stages of the race, at least, then the Mercedes was the quicker car. So yeah. I think it's on. I, as, as weird as it sounds, I think that I can see the season playing out as Red Bull winning more races, but, like, well, Max specifically will win more races than Lewis Hamilton will, but he will also DNF more. Like, I I could see Max now going on another four, maybe even five-race win streak with Lewis just dragging in podiums behind him, like second and third, and then a DNF with a Lewis taking advantage and winning, and then it suddenly all just turned on its head again and it's back where it was. And I I can genuinely see that being the story of the season, like a run for Max followed by a DNF with a win for Lewis, and that would be what keeps it close, I think. Yeah. 
it's, it's definitely a possibility. Um, Chris, anything to add to that? Or no, I don't think so. Okay, um, Yuki Snaily says, "Hey man, did they resurrect? <laughs> did they resurrect Cubic or something to direct the show this week? It seemed way more cinematic than usual." Ross said, "Triple viewing figures on F1 TV. Does Stu know if behind the scenes?" They made a special effort on presentation this weekend. Um, well, in terms of viewing figures, there's probably just the fact that they had a sprint ra- two races is going to help. Yeah. Um, but as far as I'm aware, there was nothing different. I, if anything, I thought the cars looked quite slow going around. So it's like the, ca- the cameras were mm-hmm. all really high up, I thought. But, um, you know, that's just me. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I've not heard anything, but I wasn't around there this weekend. So I don't know. I feel like Silverstone's a place that we've had those kind of sweeping overhead cameras the most over the last few years like they're well, not a new thing there cam. are they <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's squirrel cam they, this isn't the first year we've had squirrel cam it's just the first year it's been identified as squirrel cam but they've had that one down the pit straight that was like silverstone was one of the first places to to use that wasn't it and i mean i know we use it everywhere now pretty much and it goes it goes with the whole show but like silverstone was definitely one of the first places where they used that uh, one that sort of shoots down the pit wall above the car yeah. as it's coming in for its stop. And yeah. it, there's just certain shots like that that are quite iconically Silverstone for me. So I don't think it was anything any different for Silverstone. But um, I, I, I think that there's just the excitement of a, a new race weekend. And maybe even combined with the fact that so many people were there in attendance again. Like, yeah. it, I think that does build to build to the excitement even for someone watching at home because it made such a big difference like being able to hear that crowd over the yeah, tv big time um so i think there is an element of even that as well to be factored in definitely yeah definitely uh next, next Corizilla zombie killer says do you think for sprint qualifying there should be a few more points up for grabs like top five instead of top three to try and get some more battling going on during the quality race for the top teams at least interesting point um i think the fact hamilton was behind verstappen and willing to sacrifice just the one point showed that you know hamilton's thinking more of a season than he is of an individual race do you think hamilton sacrificed a point or do you think hamilton couldn't get close enough to do anything about it (laughs) i i think what's the point in I don't think he would have minded sacrificing the one point be- no. because uh, if, if it had been, I'd say if it had been what usual or, or even half points, I think he would have pushed a lot harder for that win. Well, yeah. Like I'm, I mean, look at the difference between the outcome of the opening laps in the sprint versus the outcome in, of the opening corners in the Grand Prix. Yeah. There's so look at the, look at the difference in aggression. But then that's an interesting thing about the sprint race concept, isn't it? It's like Hamilton already had one go at going through that section of corners in second place and it didn't come off for him. So next day, he kind of had that to build on, which is why he was able, yeah. like he he forced himself to the inside going into cap, cops. Like yeah. there was not much room there. He was practically rubbing the old pit. Well, I mean, Verstappen would have had him in the wall if he'd uh, given half a chance, wouldn't he? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's an interest, another interesting concept of the sprint race weekend is that kind of, you do get a sort of dress rehearsal to see what works and what doesn't, I suppose. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, next we've got uh, Thomas Hardesty saying uh, with two more sprint race weekends yet to be confirmed where would we uh, like to place them in the calendar Um, personally I thought that the concept took away some of the excitement from qualifying despite a very good race but I am happy to see how it all works out Um, also is Saudi a double header Uh, sorry is a Saudi double header likely I would say not likely, mostly because it's a street circuit and there's a lot of yeah way too much planning goes on around that. I suppose. Mm. Yeah, I, I, well, we're on that Saudi double header, I'd say don't hold don't hold your breath, but don't be surprised if it does happen. It just depends on the rest of the season, really. Yeah, because if anywhere, if they're going to shut the streets and have two races anywhere, it's probably going to be there. Probably yeah, true. Like, yeah, we'll do whatever. And if you're going to spend all that time building a track. Why not have two races while you've done yeah. it? Kind of I mean, they could, you know, they could find a way of like squeezing, squeezing up the calendar so they have two Grand Prix. They could have a Grand Prix on a Saturday and on a yeah. Sunday if they want to. Do that, if they want to squeeze it right up, but um, again, they probably wouldn't do that. But yeah. you, you just never know with, with the way COVID is and the way you know races are being cancelled yeah. yeah, and totally. certainly the way things are going in this country that like, you just don't know how it's going to pan out. So yeah, wait and see for yeah. that one. Um, As for the sprint of... races, I think Monza's a no-brainer. Yeah, Monza would be Yeah, it's, there's been a lot of talk about the fact that it basically already is Monza as well. There's a, there's a, lot, of the, there's a lot of the paddock talking as though Monza is a done deal yeah. and it's just a formality for it to be confirmed. Um, and then the other one that I kept hearing mentioned quite a lot was Brazil. Oh, um, really? For Interlagos. I heard that being... Um, thrown around but obviously it depends on if the race goes ahead because <laughs> they're in issues COVID-19 wise yeah moment, aren't they? I so. would suspect um, Circuit of the Americas the American Grand Prix is a possible yeah, one like US, we, we US, know that US Grand Prix <laughs> yeah we know that like F1 really want to push into America these days and you know to, yeah. be, to have a three days of Action pack sessions going on there. I think that would kind of fit with their um, what they're trying to achieve right now. Yeah. Liberty Media would be all over that as well. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if USA ends up being one of them. Yeah. yeah. Fun little detail I've just noticed on the F1 mm-hmm. website there's there's a TBC slot in the calendar currently. And where they normally put a track map, there's just the letters TBC, but it's still got the little like direction arrow showing which direction the track goes as if the letters TBC are a circuit. (laughs) (laughs) Tidbits with Chris. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Next, is it me? Uh, Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. Um, um, Charlie Bridge... Brigden says, could the sprint race at Monza potentially mitigate a massive tow train issue from the last couple of qualifying sessions there? As there's less focus on, as, as, as there's less of a focus slash pressure for grid positions with a potential to gain on the Saturday. Of course, there's still going to be uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, tow train issues. Yeah. I think it's going to be absolutely ridiculous. And I think it's... You- it's only going to be worse. You could have three races after qualifying and it would still be as bad as ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it'll stop them, will it? Nope. Next uh, one. Final question this week. Michelle says, what's going on with Ferrari? One week they're rubbish. Next they're getting podiums. One week they're getting uh, qualifying horribly. The next they're getting poles. <laughs> um, 
I'm not sure we even Ferrari know what's going on yeah, with Ferrari. You took the words it, out of my mouth. <laughs> it, it, it smacks me of, there was a season recently, I mean, maybe four years ago now-ish, like while Seb was there. And I feel like there was a point where they were putting aero parts on and they worked and then they put something else on and it just killed the car completely. So then <laughs> yeah. they took it off. And there, there was a bit where they're just going backwards and forwards and they didn't really fully understand the aero philosophy that they'd built within their own car. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's what this is, but it reminds me of that where like there's something that they're clearly getting right some weekends and maybe they don't even fully understand where that pace has come from and, and they're trying to dissect it, I guess, and, and still like learning what works and what doesn't with the car. Would be my guess, anyway. Yeah, they're definitely like over time understanding that car more and improving it, but yeah. not to the point where they can necessarily guarantee they will have pace every weekend. Exactly. And that, I think, brings us to the end of a a long and very hot episode. Yes. Oh, yes. It's painfully warm here currently, and I think my Mac is about to catch fire. So yes. <laughs> let's wrap up uh, before it does. Um, thank you, everyone, as always, for joining us. Um, and as Tom said earlier, thank you for everyone who gets in touch with us and has just been just nice and chill <laughs> and measured and yeah not mental. everything yeah it's, it's it's been nice to kind of have that sort of community surrounding us um this is where i'd normally thank our team principals but honestly if i opened another tab right now to look at the names i think everything would go terribly on my computer so thank you those of you who are out there um and thank you to all of our patrons um if you want to join us you go to patreon.com and uh join in you get access to the discord where we have a nice chat every weekend um which is always a good time uh if not you can always get in touch with us on twitter facebook instagram all of those things uh just search back of the grid and you'll find us or back of the grid.com is where you can sign up for the predictions league if you've not already and go and check how you're doing on the leaderboard and you can also fill in a contact form there i think that is all the things so thank you again for listening and until next week goodbye goodbye bye